Yo, what's up? We are now sitting in ID bus and I'm doing a Sunday driving right now. And uh, yes, we're gonna have another 4K podcast. So um, uh, this topic today is going to be about the yoke wheel and the stockless design, but also in general about uh, ergonomics. Uh, okay, I touched into this topic before, and why didn't I talk about it while I was driving the, the Plaid? Well, now I, I have more interesting uh, insight to come with, and also now I can focus on the talk rather than the driving, because it's kind of brainless driving, just doing the test here. This is considered a, an eco run for the bus. But over to today's topic. Let's start with the plaid, or I mean, well, it, people mostly call it plaid, but it's the palladium, the latest, the latest generation Model S, Tesla Model S, with a yoke wheel. I mean, why is the yoke wheel so bad for many? Well, the problem with the yoke wheel in Tesla is that they didn't engineer it properly. It doesn't have progressive steering. If you look at Toyota and uh, Lexus, they have, uh, okay, it's Toyota, the BZ4X is supposed to have it, but they don't have it yet, but at least the Lexus, that is the same with, uh, I mean, they use the same drivetrain as the Toyota. That one does have a yoke wheel, but it has progressive steering. And what does it mean? Well, it means that uh, the steering is not uh, mechanically collect connected to the wheels, that there's just some stuff in between there. And on the motorway, for example, here, when you turn the wheel slightly, it's not going to cause crazy movement, but then on the, when you have way lower speed at the parking lot, when you turn the wheel then, you will turn more. And I think ideally, if you can just, if your maximum turning angle is 90 degrees or something like that, right? a little bit over 90 degrees to do a full turn at the parking lot, then yoke wheel will actually work great. Because then you don't have to rotate the, the yoke too much in order to do something. But I think yoke initially was designed for an airplane, not a car. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in the in the start, when people started designing cars, uh, you know, the not the ones that Ford designed, but the first generation cars who had a round steering wheel, they never thought about making a yoke wheel from the beginning. And the reason why we have some yokes here and there is probably because of uh, uh, it wants wants it to look cool but then okay we're gonna also touch into f1 yeah for f1 uh correct me if i'm wrong but for f1 drivers you probably don't have to go uh, more than 180 degrees right or maybe not i'm not sure how that stuff works but you don't need to parallel park an f1 car i think you can't even back up an f1 car so f1 cars they are designed for that purpose for racing and you want to see uh, you don't want to have a, um, a steering wheel uh, interfering with the view vision yeah another thing I, I've seen a picture is that I didn't know that F1 drivers they don't they don't sit upright because those F1 cars are freaking low so F1 drivers they're actually like they are lay laying down quite low quite flat quite like uh, imagine if you're laying down in on a business class seat or some shit like that you know that's usually how low they sit and drive and that means that a round steering wheel is going to block your vision or interfere with that so yoke wheel on the f1 car has a purpose yoke wheel on an airplane 
probably all sorts of purpose that's why they are like that and then also airplanes they don't have to do any crazy maneuvers at the parking lot normally they'll be flying but cars they have different like tasks they need to do you know roundabouts parking lots drive backing up or getting out of driveways and shit uh so uh, strictly speaking a, a car steering wheel should be round not yoke but if you go for a yoke like some car manufacturers tend to do then you need to have progressive steering to counter for the disadvantages um and then yeah but and then what, what, so what was the problem with tesla then well because tesla is not progressive steering they just slap down the the, the yoke wheel there without thinking about uh, ergonomics and this this video will also be a lot of talk about ergonomics because um if you look at if you look at tesla model x the falcon wing doors you know the reason why the falcon wing doors are not a complete disaster is because tesla put a lot of effort and they 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 put lots of engineers and and uh, engineering time to make the falcon wing doors double hinged it's not a gull wing door technically or i mean um, when you call it gull wing door it usually means a stiff door that has only one hinge connected to the car and the problem is that when you open the gull wing door uh, you will eat you need a lot of space on the side it's gonna bone you know but falcon wing doors they have double hinge and they open like a falcon or something you know, inspired, inspired, inspired by nature and by having double hinge you can then open on tight spaces and close on tight spaces so I wouldn't say the Model X is a success but at least it's a not it's not a total failure uh, issues with the falcon wing doors is another problem but at least from a, an ergonomic perspective the falcon wing doors work great simply because they were engineered well you know but yoke wheel in a tesla was not engineered well or the ergonomics part of that yoke wheel is not good and that's why the yoke wheel in a tesla is not good that's my claim right and then who the heck is this idiot this half Norwegian half uh, uh, German dude uh, you know <laughs> half Thai uh, half whatever <laughs> uh, what, what the heck what man freaking Norwegian left lane huggers dude move over to the right lane Jesus man oh there okay <laughs> but yeah who is this dude well I have background in computer engineering I have background in uh, a web design uh, in uh, programming a database design uh, a bachelor degree in, yeah, in computers uh, have 12 years of experience with working at office uh, with programming and web web uh, user interface uh, that, it's that book I read what the heck is that call again uh, there was a book about uh, usability uh, maybe some some of you guys can uh, mention it long time ago but so you know i'm getting i'm becoming an old fart now with lots of experience and my claims is based on my life experience with testing cars with my computer background with gaming also so when i read comments or hear about people uh, bitching about oh bjorn you know he's uh, 
Yeah, he's just, he doesn't want to adapt. He's old fashioned, he's stubborn stuff. No, 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 it's all, hear me out, noobs. You know, before you guys spew out uh, uh, less intelligent comments and not knowing the whole story, just hear me out. Um, it's all about ergonomics. Because let's just, okay, finish the talk about yoke now. Now let's talk about stockless design. Tesla removed the stocks. Why did they do that? Was it to improve ergonomics? No. Was it to save cost? Most likely, yes. Um, the problem is that the stocks, they, 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 they serve a very well purpose. They, the stocks stay at the same position all the time. You know, I just remember this. You know, some cars they have, um, um, they have the flappy pedals, or what do you call it? The one on the steering wheel, but you can, uh, originally it was designed for changing gears on the fossil cars. So many uh, fancy cars, racing cars, whatever. And uh, by, the, by the way, it comes from F1, yeah. <laughs> many things derive from F1 because it's cool, it's the top of the crop, it's the fastest shit, and then you wanna feel cool, you wanna feel different, you put that in the car, in a, in a regular car, passenger car. But for, for, uh, for F1 driver again, uh, you don't need to let go, you don't have to do a, a crazy uh, 360 degree turn with your steering wheel. So your left and right hand will always be on, uh, on the flappy pedal ready for changing gear. But on a passenger car it's different. Sometimes the steering wheel might be upside down. Or if you are in a, in a hairpin turn, for example, yeah, that's a prime example. You're in a hairpin turn, and then you figure that you want to decrease or increase regen. Yeah, I forgot to mention. So the flappy pillars were originally made for changing gear, but in a fossil car, they'd be like, uh, say, what do we do here? We have this part, we are converting this, uh, this fossil car to an electro auto. They'd be like, oh, you just make it, uh, make it change regen then. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but if you're in a hairpin turn and you want to increase or decrease regen suddenly, then the, uh, the steering wheel is upside down. And can your brain wrap, it, wrap around it and figure out that you have to then use the right flappy pedal to, to do what you want, right? It can be hard to do that initially, especially if you're, if you're not doing that very often. And my point is that the flappy pedal then, uh, well, it's... I mean, it's hard because where should you, should you place the flappy pedal in, uh, on the steering column uh, so it has a fixed position? Yeah, that is better, but then you're losing the part where you can flap it. I mean, we can, uh, where you can flick it while, you're, while your steering wheel is at 90 degrees. So the, the, the problem with the flappy pedal is that the, the, it has its advantages and, and disadvantages by placing it wherever we're talking about now. Uh, and then comes this, the... Um, uh, blinkers. Well, fortunately, your body is at the same position all the time, even though your, your, the steering wheel might be in a different position and your hands might be slightly in a different position. But even if you are at a 90 degree turn, you can still reach and hit the, the, the indicator or the, the turn signal stock or the gear stock that many cars tend to have now. Even this, this ID bus also has the gear stock on the right stock which I find very nice and ergonomic. So since we're talking about ergonomics, why do I think that gear stock should be there, like, like a Tesla or uh, a Mercedes, or also ID3, ID4 and um, uh, I, I3? 
Well, because your hand, your right hand is already right there, right by the gear stock. And it makes a very small move. You just require a very small movement to change gear. And once you've gotten used to it in a Tesla or a Mercedes, it becomes super convenient, super nimble to change gear while you are doing a, a parking maneuver. Uh, instead of having it in the center console or something, for mechanical reasons, yeah. In the past, when you had stick shift manual gearbox, then yeah, you need you need to reach down there to change gear. But of course, some American cars they already had the stick shift. I mean, the stick shift on the steering column. Yeah, okay. But money to save part or whatever, right? To simplify things, cut cost. Uh, traditionally, stick shift gears and uh, stick shift cars they will have it down in the center console. And you gotten used to it, yeah, true, but it's way more economic to have it right near the steering wheel, you know? Um, but okay, and, and, but okay, back to the blinkers then. So my claim is that having it there is better, but okay, you can swipe the screen, that's what Tesla forces you to do. Uh, it's still fairly close. Even though I'm not a fan of it, but yeah, you can get used to swiping on the screen. Still closer than having to reach your hand over to this, uh, the middle console. Uh, but the, the, the blinker, um, the blinker becomes a problem. Because when the steering wheel moves and you want to blink, then uh, the blinker will be in a different position because it's in, on the freaking uh, steering wheel. And one thing, when we talk about ergonomics again, um, have you know the traditional blinker the way it works is that you have to push the blinker up to blink right and then push it down to blink left that is not intuitive <laughs> wait maybe i should uh hang on okay no. so it's not intuitive at all to have it like that but we have gotten used to it just like we have gotten used to clutch a clutch is also not intuitive at all that you have to push the clutch and it will change the behavior of the car but when you push the brake or push the accelerator it does something different but over time you learn with the muscle member how that shit works and the same with the blinker so you know um, if Tesla wants to make it more intuitive the left blinker should be on the left side of the steering wheel and the right blinker should be on the right side of the steering wheel <laughs> but because we are used to the blinker, the traditional blinker movement, and they try to mimic that one as close as possible. So, um, but the, the, like I said, the problem again about ergonomics is that the blinker, um, not only does it change position because it moves with the steering wheel, but you put more operation on one uh, uh, finger. So let me explain here. Um, I used to play Doom a lot. That was probably over 20 years ago. Um, and in the beginning, you know, Doom, you have buttons for moving forward, backwards, but you also have the strafing to move sideways. And that is to avoid rockets and grenades hitting you in the face. So a good Doom player or any FPS player, player will strafe. In the, in the early days, people didn't learn how to strafe and they would get killed all the time. But once you learn how to strafe in Doom, you could dominate your friends. That's what I did. But 
it doesn't just stop there. It's all about ergonomics because in the heat of the battle, when you're fighting and trying to dodge your body, but also trying to hit them, fire at them, you need to have good, you need to have good control over the keys. And it's about balancing load between your fingers because you only have 10 fingers and you want to utilize them, but you want to do it in a very ergonomic way. So I have, back then, when I lived in Buda and I was gaming, I changed the configuration on Doom. Uh, actually, the default configuration is that when you move, okay, because Doom, how is it again? Okay, Doom is, I mean, it's 3D, but it's not really 3D. It's like a fake 3D. A map on Doom, uh, supposedly you can have overlapping, but the map is actually flat and you have the sense of uh, height and shit like that, yes. Um, but um, the, how do I put this? You, when, you, when you aim for something, um, you can't aim up and down. But tra traditionally in Doom, when you move your mouse up, you go forward and you yeah, something like that. There was a weird, I don't know, how was this again? I, let me see if I get the story right. Yeah, I think it was something like that. Uh, so I even configured, there was a, I had to use a DOS program to, to change the setting on the mouse so that I then minimize the movement forward and backward um, on the mouse. So if you moved, if you move the mouse a lot up, it only went forward a little bit and then the same backwards. And then I changed it so that I would actually use the right mouse key to go forward. It sounds crazy, right? And then I use uh, one key on my left finger to go backwards. Uh, and then I would have uh, my, my index finger and the long finger uh, to strafe. So I would strafe left and right. Uh, my idea, and then I, I would also eventually use the space for jumping and then you use thumb for space so what am i saying i mean it has a purpose what i'm saying now is that i then distributed the load on my fingers and i can then do more operations i can then do more complex uh, movements where the fingers are not interfering with each other because the more traditional way of setting up uh, movement in games like that would be um, you have you know like, like the arrow key uh, configuration you then use three fingers to either go forward, backwards, left or right. But I would then assign buttons for changing weapon and other stuff. I don't remember all the... Eventually I started playing Unreal Tournament, which is pure 3, uh, real 3D uh, and so on. But the whole point is that um, one, one, each finger will have to have less operations to do, possible operations to do. And by doing that, once I reconfigured my Doom configuration and I started learning, I had to play for hours to, to get used to it. Uh, my friend, my Polish friend, who used to beat me on Doom, I kept beating him over and over again. He couldn't beat me suddenly. Okay, sometimes he might beat me, but like, it would be like something like 10 to 1 ratio, right? The way I would beat him. So that was the whole, the strength of ergonomics and how to think about thing uh, you know yeah and back to the point with the stalkers with the blinker if you think about this if you know the layout with the plaid they they force you to use the thumb on the, the left thumb for blinking but also to uh, um, for changing music and volume and next previous song 
um, and then they force you to do the right thumb for enabling and disable autopilot and changing speed and eventually hopefully also changing distance because you can yeah but also for enabling uh, auto high beam I mean, I'm sorry, for, for putting on high beam or use the flasher, but also for for using the horn. Well, at least until they got the horn in the middle, yeah, finally. So you see, the problem is that, that each thumb needs to do so many operations. And the problem also, talking about ergonomics again, is that I struggle at night when I want to manually turn on the high beam. You can say, yeah, why don't you use automatic high beam? Yeah, you can, but Give you, I have a point here is that the, at night uh, reaching the high beam button is hard because it's very close to the horn and close to some other buttons I don't remember so there is very little difference where you're supposed to press right but when you have it on a stock it's a completely different motion it's a completely different finger that will do that operation so it's then almost impossible to to press or do something by mistake so that's what I mean that the ergonomics of that yoke wheel or even the round steering wheel is bad because you force the user into many operations in one finger. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, does it make sense? Um, I'm trying to explain as deeply as possible now uh, the problem, uh, why I think stocks should come back and also using uh, autopilot enabling autopilot with the scroll wheel is is bad uh, it was brilliant with the stock actually the gear stock and you can you can also now we talk about our overloading functions um, yeah the gear the gear selector you have uh, you can you know in the Tesla uh, in the Model Y or Model 3 for example you push the stock down to go in drive and then you push the stock up to go in reverse and then you push the, the button to go in park, fine. But as long as you're driving, then you can actually overload more functions. You can double tap on it to go into autopilot. It's brilliant. It's freaking brilliant, man. And once you learn it, it's, it's you know, but you can say, oh, it's, it's unlogic. Well, have you ever thought about this? When you use a mouse, um, sometimes you right click, sometimes you left click, sometimes you click and hold, sometimes you, double click you overload several functions into the same button but once you learn how to use a mouse uh, it's brilliant and same oh, everything is again I talk about ergonomics when you have a scroll wheel on a mouse and you scroll up and down for precision scrolling but if you scroll fast or some mouses also allows you to free roll right then you you scroll really fast down down a lot so then you don't have to use page up page down for example so it's all about ergonomics and gestures and once you you get used to all those things it becomes very very uh, convenient and fast and again i can talk about the keyboard the quest keyboard the reason why it's a quest keyboard is because it fits the languages you would normally use QWERTY keyboard on and when you can if you can uh, perfect uh, touch method or typing you can write really fast without having to have some predictive uh, what is it without having some predictive uh, uh, text uh, whatever like you have in a phone because on the phone you are limited to how many keys you can push right but yeah you can type almost anything 
uh, what the signs you see there, just pass there. Uh, sign, uh, words that you normally don't type, uh, you can type it perfectly fine with good precision on the, on the QWERTY keyboard because of ergonomics. And also the mouse, by the way, speaking of ergonomics, a mouse is very intuitive uh, because when you move the mouse up, the screen mimics that, that motion. And when you move it down, you go down, right? Uh, but a trackpad on uh, a Lenovo, for example, or some, some laptops, they have a trackpad. I'm, I'm used to the trackpad. I'm, I'm a sucker for trackpads. There, there's a joystick. And when you push the joystick up, then the, the cursor goes up. And then if you push the cursor harder, then the, the cursor goes faster up. Um, it is not intuitive, but I like that one. And I've gotten used to it. <laughs> and then I use the thumb for clicking. Uh, left or right click on the cursor. Um, but the same for, uh, since, since we're speaking about ergonomics, uh, the same goes for um, um, one pedal driving. We talked about that clutch and brake, right? So when you have uh, one pedal driving and region, it is actually very intuitive because when you push the accelerator forward, you have the forward motion, the car goes faster. But if you let off a bit, then it slows down a bit. And if you let off more, then suddenly you started regening and you, yeah, you have negative torque, right? Or you, you decelerate. So once I got used to uh, EV's uh, pedal, I realized it's very intuitive. The brake is actually slightly counterintuitive because you have one motion pushing the feet forward to, to accelerate, but then you have to push another pedal to decelerate. And the, the further you push it, yeah, so, but you've gotten used to it. It's muscle memory, so you, you understand how brake and accelerator works. And then the third one is the, the, uh, the clutch. The clutch is, <laughs> I don't know if I should explain it, but you guys know how the clutch works. But the clutch, for, for someone, an 18-year-old or 16-year-old who has not, not, never driven before, having to deal with or having to get used to a brake pedal, um, I mean, they already know some of that. I mean, humans are brilliant because they already know brake pedal from a bicycle. And they know that if you push, you squeeze the brake pedal on a bicycle, you brake. So in a way, yeah, they can then relate to the same brake pedal uh, in a car and get used to it. But having to deal with the clutch, it makes, uh, it makes driving actually a lot harder. You have to, you have to focus on uh, traffic rules, yielding rules, pedestrians, you know, all that stuff, uh, wheel movement, and also need to deal with RPM, uphill, downhill, and whether you should shift gear or not, and, and also clutch. So it's hard, uh, but people can learn anything and get used to anything. So, but, but it, that doesn't mean that it's a good design, right, or good ergonomics. So, for example, uh, I watched a video about uh, arrow keys. <laughs> There's a video about arrow keys on the keyboard. There was actually many, many different variants of arrow keys. And the way arrow keys work today is that they have like a triangle, up, down, left, right. And as, as long as you learn how to use the arrow keys, it becomes quite uh, fast and ergonomic to use it. But arrow keys were actually designed differently for many years. And I think it might even still exist. Uh, some some uh, some places you might have to hold down some function key to to change to 
to alternate between uh, or multiplex between different operations if you wanted to go left or right up and down I don't remember how it was but yeah um, again back to ergonomics that if you if you design stuff uh, to be intuitive uh, and ergonomic uh, it will be easier to operate it and the same goes for the car the steering wheel and I should mention another example uh, what was it again um, man I had it I had it here man I, I sorry I don't have a script this is the whole beauty of my chat is a, a talk is not um, um, man we have we'll talk about ergonomics whatever I, I will probably remember yeah, yeah, yeah it's about zooming and pinching you know uh, I still see this sometimes when I test some cars but most modern cars nowadays you have you know you can you can do the pinch pinch zoom it's very intuitive the well actually the pinch zoom um, at least the swipe okay when when you what do you call it pan right when you in the map Google Maps for example um, you swipe up on the screen to then move the whole you go down on the map right or you pan down you go further further south in the map and then you swipe down on the map to move further north and um, it is very intuitive because it is like having a piece of paper on the table and then by doing the same motion you then move you you uh, you get the same physical motion there versus what happens on the screen so that is intuitive but in every time I am in a Korean car the motion is this opposite so when I swipe up on the screen I go north <laughs> and the pin zoom uh, I think well you can't pin zoom in real life but at least uh, the motion is quite intuitive and easier to understand and easier to once you learn it it's quite um, uh, it's quite um, ergonomic rather than having to well how else would you do it with two fingers right you can maybe double tap to zoom in uh, and then how do you zoom out triple tap uh, no but it, it's not as quick as pinching because pinching is brilliant since you can vary the, the angle of the pin or you can pinch fast and slow to zoom in fast and slow so yeah it's all about ergonomics so back to the whole yeah some people okay some people claim that they they love the yoke wheel it's fine yeah true I mean it's fine just like you can always live with arrow keys that has uh, a function key for overloading it uh, if you want to go up and down or something like that or you can live with a, the, the Microsoft ergonomic keyboard or some shit like that you know the one that doesn't look that the key, keyboard is not straight it's bent a little bit it has an angle you know yeah you can always get used to everything right I, like I can get used to a trackpad but I know that this, the the touchpad uh, where you swipe and stuff like that and I can actually do pin zoom and scrolling on the touchpad it is better it is superior to the trackpad trackpad cannot do many of those operations and you can have you can use three three fingers or two fingers and you can do lots of cool th stuff with a trackpad but I, I just like the 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 what do you call it the, the joystick on my Lenovo <laughs> but I admit that it's not the best solution but yeah and the same thing goes for the uh, for the yoke wheel in Tesla it's not optimal but you can always get used to it yeah but it's not optimal it would be slightly better if they had progressive steering and but also when it comes to the the, the, the turn signal the stockless design it is not optimal at all the way it works humans we can we have lots of motions we can do we can do the blinker motion no problem 
uh, you take that away, that option, and you force the user to use the thumb for all the operations. So it, it's bad. It is bad. That is my claim. You know, I'm not. I'm not just some some uh, high school noob saying this. Like I said initially, this is based on many many years, decades of experience from the computer world and from testing so many different cars that I claim all this stuff. So, um, yeah, um, what else should I say? Uh, I mean, oh yeah, yeah, another thing I should mention, since someone mentioned this earlier, um, single screen. Um, yeah, there was, there, was, there was one hater in my, uh, in my channel, by the way. He, was, he, was, his, he claimed that I'm uh, very conservative. I was like, huh? I'm like the least conservative EV uh, reviewer out there, man, bro. He's, he's just a noob. Yeah. Um, but so he claims that, you know, you know, I was conservative when it, comes, when it came to the, the single screen in the Tesla. Yeah, in the beginning, I didn't like it. But that was before I tried it. And many many people, they have the same opinion as me. As me. They don't like the single screen. They want the instrument cluster. Yeah, okay, fine. But uh, why? You know? Um, because head-up display is good. Yeah, it is good. I understand that. I, I use many cars with head-up display. I actually, I agree with people when they say that head-up display is better for safety because you have information right on the, on the, um, right on on the road or on on your in your vision so you don't have to move your eyes too much to see it okay if that is an argument that reducing eye movement increase increases safety then how can instrument cluster be safe right be like huh what do you mean well listen when you have one screen like in a tesla every time you look at the speed or something you move your eyes from the road down to the screen and the screen is not that low. Some cars they have a freaking touchscreen way too low, but Tesla screen is, is fairly high up. Um, you know, there was even one guy who was pulled over because uh, the police thought he was uh, using an iPad. <laughs> That's how high up the screen is. Um, so you only need to move your eyes away from the, from the road for a little bit down to the main screen and they place it ergonomically uh, close to your eyesight or your vision where you're supposed to be. So it's, it's mirrored on the, on the cars in Thailand, for example, where they drive on the wrong side of the road uh, in the UK. But then your eyes need minimal movement. You move over there to look at speed or whatever you want to see, uh, driving in, in, in settings, right? But if you're looking at navigation uh, or other things, radio or some shit, you already have that right next to that because it's on the same screen. So then you don't have to move your eyes too much. And I noticed this when I was in a Tesla that I just had to move my eyes a little bit back and forth, back and forth, no problem. And then, um, but in other cars like this ID bus, I have to look at some information on the instrument cluster and then I have to move my eyes over to the main screen to see something else. And then I have to move again over to the main screen. So if the argument for head-up display is that you want to minimize eye movement, then you should actually remove instrument cluster and put a bigger screen there and then just place it as close as possible. Place it as far left as possible without blocking, without the steering wheel blocking the vision, of course. It will look a little bit weird to have the, the main screen uh, like that, but my claim is that that one plus head-up display is the best uh, ergonomics. I mean, if I would design the perfect car for ergonomics, it will have stocks where you change gear and you change um, 
you you enable and disable uh, cruise control and auto on whatever on the gear stock just like a model 3 you have horn in the middle of the steering wheel you have blinker stock like you know it with other stuff there you could be like this one has some wiper stuff on the blinker stock that's fine and some yeah uh, uh, also the headlight the high beam stock should also be on the that side um, and no instrument cluster but head-up display yeah <laughs> uh, it, it's uh, you you have to you have to try a model 3 or model y in order to understand how brilliant it is and think about this um, lots of people complain about the horn in the palladium not being on the on the horn place but on a freaking button and why do you think tesla changed it so that highland suddenly has the horn in the middle of the steering wheel again i think they realized they made a mistake um and why the heck did they even offer a round steering wheel if there was no other option right i, I think it's just because they uh, they they realized that uh, <laughs> uh, too too many people this uh, like how to put this Man, many people don't want that one solution they had which is which was um yoke and the same goes for uh, the big screen uh, in tesla they only offer one screen for model 3 model y um but you guys probably know this right model y sold out many model y crushed all the competitors all over the world sold like hotcakes so if so many people can buy model y and model 3 also without complaining too much about having one screen that it it bothers them and it, it makes it unsafe or whatever that some people want to claim you know it must it must mean that one screen is good enough or maybe even better for safety and ergonomics than having two screens that's my claim and i'm not i'm not always defending tesla because of that that's one screen solution because look i'm actually not defending tesla when it comes to yoke and the stockless design because i believe in my own uh, experience and i have my own opinions you 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 are of course allowed to have your own opinions about things but please guys try to keep personal attack out of this right uh because i base my claims on lots of experience and and actually well-known uh knowledge about uh, ergonomics and stuff like that and if you if you have other opinions then fine but uh, my claim is that having blinker on the steering wheel is bad and is bad ergonomics <laughs> but having single screen is actually good and also having a big screen is also good and i still don't understand why car manufacturers don't make the screens larger because screen screen cost is not an issue today anymore um because you can you can design the user interface to be very intuitive and fast and easy to use uh, and so on if you have bigger screen some people of course they they always want uh physical buttons yeah true but uh i've, I've been in some cars with lots of physical buttons and at one point it becomes confusing and uh i still need to look down there in the middle console yeah <laughs> okay speaking of ergonomics and safety how safe is it that i have to look down in the middle console to find that mode driving mode button or that uh, uh whatever button that i need to use right while i'm driving versus having it on the screen or somewhere else easy easier accessible 
Uh, some of those buttons are even physical buttons that you cannot uh, have any software stuff on it. Uh, I don't remember, like some, some seat heaters. I, I don't remember, man. There's some physical button that's, that has a state. When, when you have that state set there, you cannot set it somewhere else, right? You know what I mean? Because, yeah, you can, of course, solve this by using voice control or something, but voice control is not the only solution. Uh, it not, might not be the best solution. For example, some people say, oh, why don't you have voice control for turn signal? <laughs> That's not going to work, buddy. But also sometimes, like, even, yeah, in, in a Tesla, yeah, like, when you have to press a button to open the, the um, uh, glove box, you have to press a button on the screen to open the glove box, yeah, I find myself sometimes using voice control to open the glove box because uh, otherwise I have to go in there, 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 there click. Uh, but it should be easier, uh, or at least Tesla should have a, a, a roll down, like a, what do you call it, a swipe down menu, and they, you can then if if you if you open the glove box often, then you can customize a swipe down hotkey then. But the, the way it works today is that you have to dig into the menu to find the, the glove box opening thing. It's clumsy. And speaking of ergonomics, by the way, uh, at one point Tesla stopped using colors in the interface. I disagree with the, that uh, decision because I used to have, I mean, I used to, I've been living with Tesla for 10 years, you know. Back in the days, they would have colors for the different icons, for navigation, for music, for whatever. And colors, man, they are a very strong visual effect. Just think about this. Why do we have red light and green light? Because colors, they work so well that danger signs, they are in red and information signs are in blue and uh, green is maybe for yeah some other stuff right whatever so so colors <laughs> they 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 have a very strong effect but then tesla got rid of the colors and they just have no no they, everything is just gray in the user interface they want to make it clean fine but it's not as ergonomic as having colors on the on the on the icons anymore uh, and that's the, that's my struggle. And I'm been, I use Tesla a lot. It's, I'm not a Tesla dude. I use Tesla a lot, but every time I try to open the gear, uh, open the open the um, the glove box, it takes a couple of seconds to find that icon for opening it. But having a physical button like here, this one is better. Why? Because the button is right where the glove box is. <laughs> Just like having you know a, a door handle where it should be, right? Rather than having it somewhere else. It's ergonomic, it's intuitive to have it there, but in, in a cost-cutting perspective, yeah. Uh, as long as you don't use the glow box that often, then you can hide it somewhere. But then with smart engineering, again, like I mentioned with uh, Falcon Wing doors or a progressive steering, you can take stuff, uh, change it. But as long as you, you design it well and have a swipe down with a, uh, customizable hotkeys with colors there to e make it easier to distinguish between different buttons then that is good enough like in a Tesla Tesla has so big screen and um, the HVAC settings for you know, climate control and whatever it's always visible on the bottom and no matter what you do or I think almost without exception uh, you can always adjust the most used uh, climate controls at the bottom of the screen and the same thing goes for on the phone uh, you you 
you design the user interface on the phone so that it's easy to operate. Uh, and that would be good enough. So you actually don't need to have physical buttons for, for climate control. And for the most time, I keep the climate control on automatic because then it will just defog and adjust the temperature for me. And then sometimes I need to just adjust the temperature up and down, but no problem. You just press on the bottom of the screen. You don't need physical buttons for that. So, yeah, I mean, it's a long speech about ergonomics and, <laughs> and logic and common sense. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Okay, now we had Jovic. Uh, what is or consumption, by the way, for the guys in the live stream is 140, uh, 170 watt hour per kilometer. So this car will not go 500 kilometers. It will go around 450 kilometers then. So, um, yeah, uh, it's um, it's always interesting. And um, uh, what was I going to say again? Um, yeah, I, I can tell you that. I mean, some things, yeah. Um, I remember in the old days, Tesla used to have the range number in kilometers very well, uh, very big in, in big, big font, fairly big fonts in the center of the screen because range was very important. But then eventually they moved it down to a little battery icon down at the bottom. And initially I didn't like it. I remember I was bitching about it. I was like, huh? <laughs> Why did they move it down there, man? I'm struggling to find it every time. Now, I'm, I'm always looking at the center of the screen, but they freed up more space there in the center of the screen for something else. And over time, I learned to get used to the smaller display uh, or the smaller range number at the bottom. So, um, what was my point again? It's, it's all about ergonomics, but also it's all also about how important is that information. Because I've gotten used to it back then, yeah, that the range number was in big number, big letters. Uh, but over time, I found out that, okay, you can actually live with just a smaller letter on the bottom. And, and it's not going to affect my driving ergonomics or the way I operate the car. Uh, yeah. And also when it comes to percent versus uh, gum kilometer, but that's probably a different story. Uh, that nowadays I'm leaning more and more towards percent rather than uh, kilometer on the display. Or um, I mean, it's nice to have kilometer. We, I should, you should actually have both. Um, like this car, yeah. This ID bus shows you both a state of charge. I have 75% and I have 329 kilometers. It is very useful to have both. Some people claim that you only need to know percent, not kilometer. I disagree because road signs are in kilometer. If you look on the map, they are displayed in kilometer. You know, you use kilometers everywhere. So it makes sense to also display how many kilometers the car thinks it can drive. But it also makes sense to know how many percent battery we have because when we are charging the car on the charger, a fast charger, it shows percent. It doesn't show you kilometer there. Uh, so the kilometer, oh, sorry, the, the percent is just a higher precision of displaying if something is full or quarter full or half full or whatever. So it's just, yeah, a very precise way of uh, knowing a scale, how, 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 on the, uh, how, how much on the scale you are, right? So, um, yeah, <laughs> but, but of course with modern cars or sophisticated cars like Tesla, when you navigate somewhere, you can then see how many uh, percent you have left. Where are does it display how many kilometers you have left? No, Neo will do something weird. If you navigate somewhere, Neo will display how many 
kilometers of range you have left at the destination, but it doesn't show you how many percent you have. But you can calculate that because they use a, a fixed, they don't use a GOM based uh, kilometer thing, but it's then you can have to become a freaking ninja in math. Uh, but yeah, so a little bit of talk about ergonomics and logic and how things should be. Um, and that, at least I claim that uh, a car, an EV should show percent on the display. But many car manufacturers in the beginning, they didn't show that. Just look at, uh, look at PSA cars. I think even, now, even nowadays, PSA Stellantis cars, many of them don't show you percent of the battery. It just shows you whether you're full or half full or whatever. But let me ask you guys, how many of you guys show percent on your phone? Some people just don't show percent on your phone, but I, I can bet 99% of my viewers, they want to show how many percent your phone is at. And why is that important? Why can't you just see, why, why, can't, you just sh why can't the phone show you how many minutes of, of screen time you have left? Or how many minutes of operation time you have left? Right? <laughs> because people want to know percent. It's just uh, a thing that we've gotten used to. We want to know how much it is precisely left. So, but because, I don't know, maybe because of my, my claims that, uh, yeah, it was funny, man, in the, uh, since I'm sitting in the ID bus, in the beginning, the ID3 did not show you how many percent it had, but once the state of charge dropped below 10%, then suddenly you start seeing state of charge in the instrument cluster. Uh, so, which means that the argument that, oh, there's not enough screen space to show percent. Well, obviously there is enough screen space, <laughs> and, but they changed it. So now you can see percentage all the time. Uh, but it, it should mean that my claim was true then, right? That it's better for, for your peace of mind and for your ergonomics to, to do it like I claim it is. Uh, so then the, the, the question is, well, so when I claim, when I have my claims about stockless design and yoke wheel, uh, is that just me being an old fart, uh, uh, refusing to uh, adapt to something new and better, supposedly? <laughs> or is my claims true, right? Or, you know, but yeah. But anyway, I, I think this is a long enough video. How far, how long is it? It's, it's freaking long, man. So, um, I'm not sure what else I can say. Uh, yeah, we can, we can, one, one other thing we can talk about. Uh, very important, interesting. Start, stop button. <laughs> Since we already touched into that in the live stream. Do we actually need a start, stop button? For a fossil car, it makes sense to have a start, stop button because, I mean, traditionally, there would be this key. You sl slide into the, the ignition and then you twist it. Traditionally, it was like that and you start the engine. And for fossil cars, it makes sense to start the engine because you want to have control over that engine. And if you run 12 volt stuff like music or whatever, uh, you might, uh, the, the battery might go flat because those cars are not very sophisticated. They need a, a so-called alternator. Yeah, well, the reason why I explain this is that uh, this video might be viewed in 10 years and uh, people in 10 years that generation might not know what the heck I'm talking about. <laughs> but fossil cars have an alternator that will charge a 12 volt battery. And uh, if you're just on, uh, you will see the battery icon, but there's a red battery icon. Wait, why the heck is it red? Why don't battery icons just be white? Huh? And what about high beam? The high beam, but, uh, the high beam indica indicator is always blue and the low beam is green. 
wait, why is it like that? And why is the Tesla user interface flat and gray without any colors? Huh? Shit, man. Hope Tesla is listening. Bring back the colors in the user interface. It makes it easier, better, better, erg better uh, ergonomics. It might not look as pretty, but was the instrument cluster a place where things are supposed to be pretty? Huh? <laughs> okay, anyway, what was the point again? Yeah. So with a fossil car, it makes sense to have a, a, the ignition and eventually they went over to a start-stop button instead. Uh, and it makes sense, yeah, to have a start-stop button. But in, a, in, a, in an electric car, you don't need it. Because what does it do when, what does it do when you start the button? You, you start the engine, this engine starts spinning. And actually it's then, it's consuming roughly 0.7 liters per hour which is insane, man. It pulls freaking seven kilowatt of energy just to idle. Actually, when it's idling, when it's cold, it's pulling way more, maybe twice that amount because it then needs to heat up the engine. Yeah, it's crazy, man, that the, the engine has lower efficiency uh, when it's cold until you heat it up. Uh, but okay, whatever, that will be a different discussion. But okay, my point is that in a fossil car, it makes sense to start the engine first before you start driving, when you kind of need to do that. And then you put the car in gear, and then there's some, some lots of mechanical stuff happens, and then the car starts rolling. Uh, but in an electric car, technically, when you say start engine, we had talked about this before, there is no engine in an electric car. Electric cars, they have motors, they don't have an engine, right? Uh, but it would still be logically or grammatically wrong to say start motor because then the motor will be spinning at some low rpm and then you have to put it in gear with a clutch and and start driving so yeah but then for example porsche taycan has such as a power thing a power button let me see what does it look like here this one says start stop wait i can't see it. wait how i'm gonna look in there it says what this one's this ah shit freaking volkswagen it has it's this start stop well actually the letter is this Okay, if you read it top to down, left to right, it will say start engine stop. Wait, or does it say engine start stop? Or does it say start stop engine? No, it says start engine stop. <laughs> um, but technically, I mean, if you want to be, uh, if you want to argue, you can say that oh, I, I want, I want this, I want to return this car because when I press the start engine, the engine did not spin around. It starts spinning around when, once I put the car in drive. It's misleading, you know? If you want to be querulant. Uh, but electric cars don't need a start-stop button. Because just do it like Tesla, like Neo, like... Uh, uh, I don't remember, but... Uh, like <laughs> like Maxus, uh, Mifa. You enter the car, the infotainment comes up. You can say, well, but you, sometimes you want to enter the car without uh, firing up the main screen. Well, but is it a big deal that you fire up the main screen? No. It just takes a little bit of 12 volt, that's it. So once you enter the car, there is a 99.9% .9 chance that you want to do something there. Whether it's uh, uh, drive, start driving or check something or listen to music. There is very few cases where you, okay, you, you, you just want to enter the car to pick up the potato you forgot in there. Yeah, okay, that's fine. But do we have to take care of that? I mean, do we have to design the car for corner cases? No. Or, I mean, do we have to make compromises just for very few corner cases? No. So, uh, but then, and then when you start driving, you just press the, the brake and then put the car in gear and you start driving. So it works great. 
and saving that button means cost cutting. Like you know what? I don't even many times. I mean, many times I don't even notice in in the. Oh shit! I pressed the button for fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, ignition switch. Oh shit! What the heck, man? I managed to switch off the ignition while driving. What the freaking shit was that? <laughs> oh shit! shit. Okay, 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 okay. I'm, I'm driving. What? Is that even possible? Shit, man. There, there was no foolproof system. Holy shit, man. That was scary. You can power off the, the so-called ignition. It was saying in the... What the heck are you trying to ignite here? The battery? <laughs> no, but it was saying in the screen, ignition switch off. It should... No, dude. Volkswagen, if you're listening, fix that shit. Don't allow the driver to be cruising at 80 kilometers per hour and switch off the ignition. That is, that could be potential dangerous if you're clumsy, if you press it by accident or shit like that. Oh shit, man, okay. No, 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 but you know, if you try to, uh, I've tried this before with my Laguna. Uh, I tried to stop the car. Uh, I think I tried to push a stop button while driving and nothing happens, fortunately, unlike this uh, Volkswagen. Uh, no, but, but you, you don't need that button. You know, I, I, what I was saying is that when I'm using this, these ID cars, ID bus or ID3, ID4, I never use that start stop button because when you enter the car, the screen already fires up. And then when I leave the car and I lock it, the, the, the car stops and stops everything. So that one is just for, I don't know, a corner case when you need to fire up manually or stop it manually while you're driving. <laughs> so there's really no need to have a power button there. Yeah. And then some people argue, yeah, but it's nice to have it there. No, I mean, just listen to my arguments. There is no need to have it there. It brings the cost up. It brings the complexity up. Uh, and as long as you design the car well, like a Tesla, no problem. Like, if you ask any Tesla driver, have you ever wanted to have a power button on your Tesla? They'd be like, huh? No, why? <laughs> I would say, oh, but you know, sometimes if you want to idle so you, can, so you can keep the heater on, if you're waiting in traffic or you, you wait if you want to camp you want to sleep in the car well guess what tesla already solved that long time ago with camper mode you want to put your wife in there use dog mode doggy style mode <laughs> like i said as long as you did design the car and the system for it just like i mentioned with the yoke wheel and the progressive steering and the falcon wing doors as long as you design it well then you can leave out some buttons or whatever but, but for, so, so, for, for that one by the way yeah so for that one wait, but Bjorn you're a hypocrite because you say it's fine to remove the start stop button but you say it's not fine to remove the blinker stock uh, well did you listen to what I said for the past hour huh are you listening to the words that come out of my mouth <laughs> okay anyway but you know Okay, since we're talking about the start-stop button, this got me thinking. Can you actually remove the start-stop button in a fossil car? I think you can. Hmm? Are you a tie can or a tie can't? You're a tie can, yeah. You can remove the start button on the fossil car. Because fossil cars nowadays, they're so modern, they have an electronic starter and all that. Um, well, so you can remove it. Uh, and also many, many, um, uh, many fossil cars nowadays, they're plug-in hybrid, they have a battery and shit like that. Um, so, hear me out. If you enter a fossil car, 
do you need to fire up the engine? Well, technically, no. Um, okay, let's ha let's do it like this then. You can, if you enter a fossil car and you push the brake, regardless if this is, uh, is a, um, a stick shift or automatic gearbox, by pushing the brake in a fossil car, you can then start the engine. That is my claim. You can do that. Okay, you can maybe... Uh, you can override you have to do an, an extra thing maybe uh, push that one and then something else uh, clutch then clutch and brake or something for for a stick shift to start the engine so you don't accidentally start the engine but it's no big deal if you actually land accidentally start the engine i think um, but they should have a start stop system so that after one minute it stops the engine again cuts the engine but if you're entering a fossil car to to um, uh, use the navigation or something or just to sit there and do nothing then no problem Right, uh, the, 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 but my, my claim is that once you enter a fossil car, the infotainment should automatically fire up. It will suck a little bit of, uh, of uh, 12 volt, but no big deal. If, if, it stay, if you don't start driving within a couple of minutes, or let's say, I don't know, depends how much the system is sucking, of course, but it should only run the minimum infotainment stuff, which shouldn't pull that many watts. But you, because you don't want to drain the 12 volt battery, those fossil cars are not very sophisticated. They don't have a, a DC DC uh, converter and all that. Um, but the, like I said again, uh, you know, as long as you design the system good, the system well, then you can you can actually make some uh, radical changes. Um, so what you can actually do is that you enter the car, you push the brake, the engine spins up. Start, you start the engine and then once you put the car in gear then normal operation goes just like a, fossil, a regular fossil car with a start stop button and then when you stop yeah but what about if you want to idle well that's your problem right because many places you you are not allowed to idle uh, in Sweden for example uh, you are only allowed to idle for one minute um, and also but you say oh, but you, you know you should heat up the engine you should warm up the engine yeah it, it's better yeah oh, wow that's that's funny man so what what you're saying is that uh, that that fossil car is is so old-fashioned and, and it has so many disadvantages that you need to heat up the engine no, no okay whatever man. modern fossil cars can start even even when it's winter you can start driving when the engine is cold it doesn't take damage from it um, so, but it's more like a convenience thing. Yeah, you want to heat up uh, the the coolant and the engine so you can get some leftover heat so you can heat to the cabin, because they are fundamentally inferior to electric cars. Electric cars they have heat pump or other systems that can then preheat the, the whole car in nice temperature. But fossil cars they need to rely on leftover heat from the engine. But it makes sense if you want to put PTC heater or heat pump in the fossil car it becomes more complex, more expensive. Are people willing to pay for that? No. Just like are you willing to pay for the start stop button? Well if you if you can shave off a hundred or two hundred euros of the price and you have no start stop button, would you go for it? Yeah hell yeah <laughs> um, no, but that, that's my claim. You can actually design a, a fossil car without start-stop button. And okay, in the case where you, you need to, uh, to keep the heat in there, right? Uh, you, well, actually, by the way, start-stop uh, cars with start-stop system, they already stop the engine while you're uh, on the red light anyway. <laughs> Did you ever notice that? Um, 
but then they they will fire up again if the the coolant is too i mean if you suck too much heat from it and you need to keep warm in the cabin so it will already cycle that one and also, also same for for hydrogen i mean sorry for for um hybrid cars i noticed that uh, eventually when once the the leftover heat is gone then the the engine automatically fires up uh, i think also yeah and also heat uh, it also charges the 12 volt system so i mean the system is already there it has already been engineered and programmed and implemented in plug-in hybrids uh and uh, there, there you could even have a, a you can just program this in the fossil car that in the case where you want to keep warm you could just there will be a button on the hvac control you know keep warm and then the, the engine will cycle on and off uh, to keep you warm even if if some kind of I don't know situation it's winter it's minus 20 degrees outside you don't want to freeze no problem the car can provide you leftover heat because <laughs> because it has 70% losses <laughs> the fossil car has 70% losses <laughs> there's plenty of leftover heat in the system you can get <laughs> uh, okay anyway it was a long uh, chat uh, about uh, mainly the main topic is about ergonomics but uh, of course I um, I used the clickbait about uh, yoke wheel and uh, stockless stuff to get you guys hooked. Well, yeah, um, I think I'm just gonna end it here. Um, I'm getting hungry. I wanna stop soon and pee and have some food and uh, we'll see. So yeah, I feel like this topic is not done. Uh, I might make a follow-up video where I talk more about ergonomics and stuff uh, that I experience um, with the cars I test. I, I test so many cars. It's funny that. Um, um, when, when I read some, yeah, I guess, uh, I, I don't want to brag too much, but sometimes I feel like I need to brag, simply because people don't know who I am. Don't you know who I am, huh? I'm just kidding, but uh, because they, they make some stupid comments or false claims based on not knowing who I am. But when there is some kind of, you know, like when NUF, they have the biggest EV range test in the world, they drive 20, 30 cars together, uh, they actually drive this route, by the way, um, and then they go up there, there, yeah, uh, and you see all those car models, like BYD, Tesla, Mercedes, you know, all those cars, and when I look through the list of the cars they test, I'll be like, ah, I've driven that one, I've tested that one, i tested all the variants of that one, i tested that one, the rear-wheel drive, the front-wheel drive, I tested, I've tested so many cars, I have no clue how many cars, you can look in the video description, look in the spreadsheet, and you can see the, the test result, I've tested so many cars, we're talking about hundreds, I, have I never counted how many cars I've been in, it must have been over 999 by now, yeah, <laughs> and I've seen so much, and I've seen good and bad things, and I can mention, by the way, since we are in, the, in this ID bus, that the ID software, well, John Carmack is uh, rolling around in his bed now. Shit, man! ID software, that's my invention. No. Yeah, John Carmack, it's the guy who uh, programmed uh, stuff for Doom. Um, but ID software user interface. First of all, the screen, in the, the screen in the ID family is too small. Why didn't they make it bigger? Uh, um, the user interface is clumsy you have icons yeah you enter uh, you go you go to the home button yeah you have telephone radio media navigation vehicle those are icons they have the same color by the way it's probably good for a visual impression yeah it's 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 beautiful in that regard but 
it would be better to have different colors. Mercedes, they have different colors on the icons. I love it in the EQS or whatever, Mercedes. Um, but but in this ID, in the, yeah, I'm, I can't show you guys the screen, but I can tell you that when you go to the home, whatever, you have eight icons, telephone, radio, media, navigation, vehicle, whatever. When you enter one of those, for example, sound, if I click on sound, then the whole screen is filled with the sound settings. Uh, where you have focus setting, we have the volume, and you have another setting in the setting again with a cogwheel, okay? Um, but then if we want to go back and go to some other setting, then I have to go to home again. Uh, but then when you drill into the sound and then click on the cogwheel, then you get some other settings. Um, but if I want to go back, there is no back button here. You have to press home. So you have these multi-layer that fills up the whole screen. Uh, this is very old-fashioned design that should not exist in cars in 2023. You should have a bigger screen and then have a menu on the left where many people are used to having a menu on the left or a, a, a tab, like a top, top tab, tab something. Uh, and then you can tab between the settings like that or tab between different uh, things you want to do. That is way better uh, user usability. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But, but I mean, what can you do with the ID software? You can't do much. There's not much headroom to change things here simply because the screen is too small. Yeah. So, so they just design the screens to be bigger and then, and then, but then we come back to the whole thing again. I have to re mention this. People saying, but touch screens are unsafe. Well, but is pressing a screen, uh, is pre pressing a button in the center console, a physical button in the center console, safer? Huh? Is it? <laughs> because you have too many damn buttons there and you actually have to look there so you don't press the wrong button by accident. And these buttons, these buttons in the cars, they don't have those indentation or whatever you call it. Uh, back to, by the way, I should mention it when I clock to the, the keyboard. You know when you have a touch, when you, uh, when you are uh, uh, using the touch method on the keyboard, 102 key uh, keyboard, whatever. Have you ever noticed that the F key and the, oh shit, what was it again? Um, what, what, what key was it again? Um, I have to see here. Uh, I have to bring up a square. Yeah, the F key, F and the J key, I think it was. F and the J key, they have a tiny little uh, tab po that pokes up. And you can feel it with your, with your uh, index finger. Well, the picky finger, index finger, is that? You can feel it with the fingers, those two. So even if you're blindfolded, if you know roughly where the keyboard is, you get there with the keyboard, with your hands, and you can feel those two things, and then you are aligned. That's like alignment pin for you. And then you know exactly, then you can type with touch method on the keyboard without looking at the keyboard. People who look at the keyboard, they haven't learned the method yet. So, yeah. And then, yeah, and also when I, oh man, when I see the idea, when I see the, uh, I, I should also mention this, by the way, since we already talk about ergonomics, in the ID bus here, uh, at the bottom, we have some haptic, uh, this, this, this like a touch, touch button, not physical button, but the, the you know, the, the haptic, uh, or it's not haptic even, but the, the touch button for uh, changing volume and uh, temperature and shit like that. Uh, the problem is that at daytime, you can easily see those buttons for uh, changing temperature. At night, there is no black back illumination. <laughs> so then at night, I 
I keep pressing the wrong thing all the time. I, I try to increase temperature, I decrease temperature by accident. Uh, so they could have solved this if the, it was back illuminated or at least if they had the top illumination. You know, you know that many cars uh, like a BMW, well designed in BMW, there's a tiny little moonlight at the top of, this, of the uh, cabin lighting down on the center console. When you have a little bit of light, if you're driving at pitch dark, you can then see the contour of some buttons. That would have solved the problem. Or if there would be some indentation or something. But here, no. Just like also the swipe, the, the, the haptic keys on the steering wheel in the MEB cars and also the Mercedes. They are freaking horrible, man. Oh, like you misclick all the time. I miss, uh, when, I, when I change, when I change uh, speed um, on, the, on this ID bus, uh, many times I misclick and I accidentally press the, the change to change distance, following distance. And once you are in that mode, then it holds that. Then up, up, down doesn't change speed anymore. It changes distance until a couple of seconds passes and then it goes out of that mode. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but am I just an old fart complaining? No, it's based on ex experience. It's based on my bachelor degree, degree and it's based on 12 years of working in the, in the, in the com, uh, computer industry. So um, I think I'm just gonna end now here, okay, before the video gets too long. <laughs> but uh, yes, I hope you guys enjoy my uh, long rant and my uh, video and I hope you uh, learn something uh, from this. So I'm not trying to promote my personal opinions about this. I'm trying to make cars better. Yeah, just like I try to make my web pages or whatever better and you can do that by using shares squarespace yeah no, i'm just kidding <laughs> i watch a video i watch adam rogusia nowadays and suddenly he would just change topic and talk about his sponsor squarespace yeah no i'm just kidding no but anyway i think that's gonna be it for now i hope you guys enjoyed this video as always thank you for watching and talk to you later